two, one. We're coming at you here, ladies and gentlemen, from this top secret e-course adventures live headquarters. Dum dum dum. My name is Bradley Morris. And I'm Blair Francis. He's the calm one, and I'm the caffeinated one. One. Welcome to the show, everybody. We have a very exciting show coming up for you. We are going to be talking to our wonderful, friendly, entrepreneurial hippie named Tad Hargrave from Marketing for Hippies, and we're going to be talking about his 10-plus years of his journey of being an entrepreneur who is also hippie-minded, who also works with hippie-minded folks who are trying to do good things in the world, and he helps them get their messages straight so that they can actually do what they're here to do. Totally. We're going to chat a little bit about just managing and balancing your other things that are in your life that brings uh, a lot of joy to your soul while entering the business world. And then uh, we'll get into our How Did You Do It segment. Which we're going to be showing you a really fun rap video that we made that basically breaks down the standardized e-course industry that has a lot of whole like uh, online marketing sort of sleazy douchebaggery sort of stuff versus like pouring your heart, soul, and creativity into your e-courses and blasting that off to the world. So that's a rap video we're going to show you. Totally, right after this. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) So, Blair, I've had this hole in my heart for the last week, and the reason being is the chair next to me here was empty. Where have you been? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I spent the last week working um, with my teacher, Robin Clements. I've been studying for the last year and a bit uh, something called breath wave, which is a form of conscious connected breathing as a a therapy to uh, help people move from their parasympathetic nervous system, which is kind of the flight or, or fight mode, like the tiger is out of the cave and everybody's just like, go, 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 keeping their eyes peeled to the sympathetic nervous system, which brings us rest, relaxation, a lot of good hormones that helps uh, heal the body and repair the body. And so uh, this has been an amazing practice of mine for the last year, really intensively. And uh, yeah, he came here to Salt Spring to do his level one and two. And I helped co-facilitate this past week an amazing group of 16 individuals from all around the world it was awesome sounds lovely I yeah. like breathing yeah I like breathing it's something that most of us humans are forgetting to do I mean right now you're watching a computer screen at home and you're probably not even aware you're breathing but if you start breathing right now you're gonna feel a whole lot better while you're watching the computer screen so let's everybody just take a breath Totally. It's, it's so you did that for a week. You just breathed. Just breathe. Amazing. Yeah. Professional breather. Amazing. You know, most people actually don't recognize how little they actually breathe. You know, 20, maybe 30% of your potential with every breath. And, you know, there's this relationship of how we breathe to actually how we interact in the world. Some people have a hard time receiving next shows up in their full breath other Mm -hmm. people have a hard time letting go yeah and that shows up in their exhale and so that's part of this therapy is being able to help people 
relate yeah. to their to their breathing, which is just a simple, simple thing. Well, something I find really interesting, and I used to when I was teaching hundreds of meditation workshops, the breath was a huge part of that, and and one of the things that I started pondering was. You know, apparently we can we're accessing, you know, 10 to 20 percent of our brain's potential right now. And apparently we're using maybe 20 percent of our lungs capacity right now. Is there a correlation between how we breathe and how much of our mind we're able to use? And so, totally. I mean, I know like yesterday, for example, um, I took the afternoon and instead of being on my computer doing some some work i took the opportunity to take two hours and i ran up a mountain and i was breathing I'm sure you're breathing really pretty good after in that. the, the yeah. afternoon heat and uh yeah i was just like so much creativity so much clarity so much peace of mind mm-hmm. came through the things that i was stressing about were just all kind of letting go as i was as i was doing it and so i think it's just something to remember is like when if we want to access our human potential as individuals, then maybe try accessing our lungs potential and start breathing yeah. deeper, more often, more consciously. You know, it's it's this thing when when we go without food, you know, we can go for almost a whole month or maybe even two, something like that. Yeah. Until until we reach that point where we can no longer live. Water is like a week, but breath, it's such a life force you know, life uh, giving substance that we take for granted. And I really personally feel that there's a relationship to us breathing full and complete and, and the abundance and prosperity that we seek in our lives, the amount of love that comes to us, the amount of abundance and prosperity in our business endeavors, just right across the board. So yeah, while you're watching this, uh, do your best to see it, just start to become conscious of your breathing. Uh, And this takes us to our first unexpected commercial break of the show. If you're looking for support with your breathing, then go to BradleyMorrisMeditations.com and there (laughs) you will find a library of more than 32 conscious breath and meditation practices with custom composed music by Blair Francis Armstrong. It's true. Now back to the show. (laughs) Yeah, true story. So we've made dozens and dozens of meditation tracks using the breath work and that's how we actually met the music that's that's where our relationship got started was blair went through one of my meditation courses and he's like dude your audio sucks let me help you and i was like thanks man i really need help on that front the first day we actually met was brad was in edmonton where i was living and actually this is where our our guest lives too tad is from edmonton so just a nice little segue eventually into that and uh, yeah, you came to do um, a breath session with everybody. We yep. had like 100 people. I was doing live music. He was leading the breath. I have a video. Maybe I can find that and show a little bit later. I'll see if I can scour my <laughs> hard drive. That was a wild one. Yeah, yeah it was good. And yeah. Um, yeah, and then it's just been, as they say, history since then. Uh, you know, At least that's re- what we say. We, eventually <laughs> they will say it, but for now we'll say it. I guess it's really the victors who write history, so we'll have to see at the end of... Yeah, end of, time will tell. Yeah. <laughs> but it really that? comes down to, I think the point of all this is balancing your work life and being an entrepreneur, how consuming this can be if mm-hmm. we let it, and being able to balance that with the things that in your heart and soul are just so nourishing. Yeah. 
so nourishing. And so this is something that I spend time and take the time and Brad holds space for me. Uh, sorry for everyone that got the wrong link earlier. Yeah. That's just uh, an example of, of Brad trying to hold space while I'm away for a week. How do I do this? And, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and on the flip side, you've got um, with your golfing. Yeah. A, a wonderful golf clinic coming up. Yeah. I um, we moved to Salt Spring Island. That was a lifestyle thing. Moved from the city to Salt Spring Island where we're now at five and a half years ago. And uh you know, for me, I originally moved to the West Coast from Ontario back in 03 to pursue professional golf. And uh, I took a bunch of years off while I was doing the meditation thing and <clears throat> didn't really have the money to, to play golf. But I got back into it a lot when we moved here. And I, I play like 250 mornings per year, like waking up before the sun is up and being out on the course. Like today, I was teeing it up at 530 in the morning. Um, and... My games got pretty good, and this was my first year actually playing a mini tour. Play, I've played about a dozen tournaments this so far this year, and um, I also teach. And so coming up this week, uh, my buddy Isaac, who played a few big tours for about eight years, him and I are collaborating, and he does something called the Golf Body Project, where it's golf and fitness, and he's also an amazing coach. Um, and I've been developing my own programs called Inner Focus Golf, which is basically how I've brought my meditation work into my golf game. And this is how I've really transformed just a couple of weeks ago. I actually tied my course record at my home course, which if you're a golfer, that's like, it's kind of a big deal. Those records stand for a really, really long time. Mm -hmm. um, and so for me, like with my golf game, it's all about presence. It's all about connection to my breath and my body and my target and finding that unity between all those things. And that's when I play my best is when I'm, just fully in alignment with that and so for all of us here like these practices of meditation and conscious breath work like all of these translate into what it is that we're doing and for me like um the way i look at it is like we're putting everything we can into e-course adventures to make this as successful as we can and to to build the best business we can but my fallback like if this fails i really don't care like i will become a golf teacher and I will play and teach just as I am right now. And so I'm building my golf teaching business as like a plan B if that ever has to happen, which I don't think it will. I think we're going to do pretty well here. But if it does, like, all right. And for yeah. Blair, like, you got yeah. your music. That's totally. your passion. You're still going to be a musician forever. It doesn't matter what happens with e-course adventures. And so that's the idea of, like, we, we teach this in one of the first checkpoints of the great e-course adventures. Like, how do you live your dreams now? Before... When I was just getting back into golf, I still had no money and I wanted to play, but I, I couldn't because I didn't have money. So I would go to these private clubs with my putter and a wedge and I would just practice and nobody ever questioned it. Or I'd go to the park and I'd hit shots in the park when nobody was around. And that was how I got back into it. And so all of us, like whatever that dream is that you're doing all of this for, how do you live elements right. of it now so that becomes a pattern so and a habit? so important to be weaving that in now because there is no other time than now. As, you know, as all of our ancient wisdom teachings keep telling us that it's now we'll just continue to evolve. The next thing you know, we're, you know, 20 years goes down the road and, and you're like, wow, I kind of missed that and I've kind of forget who I am so that's just a big part of when we're stepping into this growth that eCourse Adventures is starting to show us at this point that we're not forgetting that point and we're holding each other accountable as partners in this yeah. 
to continue focusing and spending time throughout the year to nourish those other parts of ourselves. Totally. Uh-huh. Speaking of nourishing, what do you say we have a nourishing conversation with Mr. Tad Hargrave from marketingforhippies.com? I think Tad, that's are you a... with us in this happy new now? Great idea. Hello, sir. It is glorious to see a fine bearded man like yourself. Tad, it's yeah. awesome to see you. Me too, bro. Yeah, it's been a while since uh, since you left Edmonton. Yeah, I know, right? You uh, you've grown your hair out since the last time I've seen you. Yeah. <laughs> uh huh. I hear you, brother. So, you know, what <laughs> took you so long? You've been doing marketing for hippies for over ten years, and you finally just decided to like make that your brand image. Like, what was the turning point here for you? <laughs> um. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, on to the next question. Um, so, you know, we wanted this to be a little bit different than we've had you on our show and come teach some webinar workshops around point of view marketing and niche marketing. And um, yeah. we've, we've done those a couple times each with our eCourse Adventures crew. And mm -hmm. I actually personally like this interview is, is a lot for me because I don't know the depths of your background and how you got into doing what you're doing and how you segued into the two worlds of marketing and being a conscious hippie minded entrepreneur. And so maybe you yeah. could kind of give all of us, cause I know a lot of um, your fans and followers will be watching this as well. Maybe they don't know your roots as well. Like how did you get to becoming the marketing for hippies guy? Like what was that, that step you took? It's, um, Gosh, yeah, you know, I mean, just I'm pausing because I, I sometimes am puzzled by it myself. Sometimes I'm like, oh, <laughs> why am I a marketing consultant? Yeah, what the like, heck? How am I here? <laughs> um, I worked for a franchise of uh, Tony Robbins when I was 18, and I did a lot of uh, uh, sales and some marketing for them and ended up leading some workshops. And there was a lot I learned that was really good, that was really useful, but... Uh, there's also a lot I learned that was uh, stuff I sort of unpack and teach against this kind of pushy, aggressive, you know, focused on getting the sale, overcoming objections, going for the close kind of thing. And I, um, I, you know, I just kind of drank the Kool-Aid on a lot of that stuff. I think like a lot of us do in, in different domains of our life because we're young, because we, we don't know better. You know, it seems like the only thing to do. And so, but I just didn't sleep well because as much as I tried to rationalize it to myself, it felt not good. I was getting feedback from friends that I was becoming more fake and more plastic and, you know, which didn't feel great, but I, I just didn't know what the other options were. And it really felt like, well, I just, I have to do this. You know, this is what works in marketing. And so I kept doing it. And then I, um, I ended up moving to Santa Cruz and I worked uh, with this group Youth for Environmental Sanity and did summer camps all around North America with them and very environmental social justice kind of theme. And I started to uh, have my politics changed because when I got into it, you know, in my late teens, I was, I don't know, 
very Puritan Christian capitalist, raw vegan kind of a lot around purity and and basically feeling like, well, the system works if you work the system. And capitalism is good and it's just misunderstood. And then slowly over the few years of hanging out with these folks and anarchists, and, you know, activists, um, I started to, well, maybe the system is mostly good, but it's got some issues and we should probably address those issues to really feeling like the whole thing is completely rotten and corrupt. But I also still have this interest in, in marketing and this kind of nerdy fascination with it. And we came to realize that, you know, local mom and pop shops and massage therapists, life coaches, permaculture people, and, you know, crafters, this is not Monsanto. And that most of us are still trying to figure out how to um, pay the bills while we're while we're doing the work to change the world. and. So I just thought, man, most of them are terrible at marketing. So I just, mm -hmm. after enough conversations with friends about this, uh, I started doing some workshops and the first ones were terrible and then they got better uh, and I just you know, kept going. Yeah, that seems to be the you know correlation that I see all the time with a lot of friends who get into business is they love what they do, but they hate marketing. It's, yeah. it's this idea of what marketing is that we see the big guys out there doing. We're pummeled by it. We're abused by it. We don't want to participate, but it's an essential part of getting the word of what we do out, you know, yeah. and that's where I, I've sat in on, on your marketing workshops in the past yeah. and it's phenomenal what you teach and you do it in a way that makes sense and connects the heart to the actions of marketing, you know, yeah. and it's such an important piece of it. Well, it feels like there's often a, it feels like a choice for people. Like I either choose to do what works or I do what feels good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it feels like a real binary oppositional arrangement. Mm -hmm. of if you do something that feels good, you'll be able to sleep at night, but you'll be broke. I mean, you'll <laughs> get that feeling of vague moral superiority over other people. Yeah. But broke. Or you do something that works, but you you feel so out of integrity and you feel like then you're, you're lying to people or, or you're etc. And so a lot of my work is trying to end that binary. It really isn't an either or a choice. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. The one thing that really stood out for me that I still take with me wherever I go through what I do is the idea uh, and the differentiate differentiation between the entrepreneur and the artist and oh, how, sure. right. And how they interact with the world Want to speak about that a little bit? Yeah, it, it strikes me that it's just to, you know it, that notion came to me around niching and people sort of sorting out what their niche is, and it struck me that there are actually two different orientations to it. So if we imagine that uh, one of the metaphors I use is you know uh, from my colleague Bill Barron is if your ideal client is on island A and they want to be on island B. You know, island A's where there's a problem or symptoms they're struggling with, island B, there's some result they're craving. Your business is like a boat that can take them from one island to the other. So if you're a service provider, what you're fundamentally selling is the journey from island A to island B, from you know, unhealthy to healthy or broke to money or whatever it is. But if you make products and what you're selling is the boat and they'll sail that boat wherever they want to. So it's, it's, a, it's a different thing and that fundamentally... Um, the artist they start with what they want to make so they're fundamentally really 
you know, it's like Van Gogh, he, he makes these paintings and he just has a particular style, a particular aesthetic. And even though there's not a lot of interest, he can't help but doing what he does. Whereas the entrepreneur tends to start by looking at, you know, well, what are people buying out there uh, already? Where's the interest? What's the unmet need? And then thinks about how they could go about it. And so it works for both the journey or the boat. Yeah. You know, the, the entrepreneur would say, oh, everyone's trying to lose weight. So I'll jump on the bandwagon or they might say, oh, everyone's buying Spanish galleons. So yeah. I guess I should start selling Spanish galleons or, um, you know, the, the, the artist would say, oh, I really love helping people make this journey or I really love making these boats regardless of the interest. And so if you're starting from the artistic place of I just can't help but do this thing, which is most of my clients is you're doing some healing work and you just, you, there's nothing else you can do. Um, you should probably get a job. You should probably do something else. You just can't, uh, you can't do it. So yeah. mm-hmm. that's the artistic approach. Then the next thing you have to think about if you're starting from that, that artistic approach is, uh, well, who would be interested in this? Probably. Who else would want to buy this? And you have to get really specific about it. And if you start from the entrepreneurial thing of, well, no, I, I see that people want to buy Spanish galleons. Well, great. But what's going to stop it from just being a knockoff Spanish galleon like every other one? Well, then that's where the artist comes in and says, well, how do I make this unique and special yeah. and different? And there's no um, resolution to it. It's just, it seems to me it's a constant tension in business yeah. that's omnipresent is between the artist and the entrepreneur. Because of course, the inclination of the artist is to really hone down on a particular issue and to systematize everything. So if you do a, a show at the fringe and it kills one year, you just do that show again next year. And then you you keep doing it at the fringe every year, you know, like this one man Star Wars show. And then you, not only that, you start touring it to other, not the fringe, and, and you go to nerd conferences and then you eventually franchise it out and you teach other people how to do that show and they do it in their own countries and they have the rights to, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, that's the, but of course that can, that can be soul crushing because now you're not creating anything new. Whereas the artist would say, oh, I do a fringe show. I killed this year. Never do it again. I'm done with it. That was the past. I want to do something new. So it's it's always this question for a lot of artists, of how commercial do I go? How much do I systematize and rework material that's already worked for me? Um, you know, because of course, on the extreme side of that, you've got people like uh, Gary Coleman, you know, from uh, the TV show, Different Strokes, you know, what you're talking about, Willis, whose whole life gets distilled into a catchphrase and how many actors have had that mm-hmm. where it works, it pays the bills, it's popular, but you don't want to do it. And then other artists who do this really avant-garde stuff and maybe a generation later, everyone's admiring how brilliant and ahead of their times they were, but they're broke at the time. I totally think of Jim Carrey in that example. You know, huh. right? He's been kind of typecast as as this comedian, which is a big part of his career. But now that he's been getting into painting, and he's good at it, people aren't taking him as seriously. And uh, so it's it's just an interesting correlation of, of just how that works and being an artist compared to the entrepreneur and, yeah. and finding that well, balance. I think- I think of how we got started with the great e-course adventure. We had the e-course blueprint before. It was fulfilling the need of teaching people how to build a basic step-by-step e-course. And then our artist, in our inner artist was essentially dying. And we're like, okay, this isn't working. We wouldn't buy what we're selling because it's right. not our flavor. It's not our personality. 
And so then we're like, well, what would what would it look like if we actually created something that was fully us and fully creative and we just brought the artist into it? And now, um, you know, what we're trying to do is help entrepreneurs bring their artist into the forefront of what it is that they're offering with their e-courses and their online education experiences. And um, what we're witnessing in the last couple of years of doing this is most people don't even know what that looks like you know like oh you mean you're giving me permission to be creative you uh-huh. mean i have permission to create anything to do with my brand and it's just like there's a little bit of a learning curve here of like yes you can be incredibly creative and professional at the exact same time and there's this like bringing that artist out and i think like the more people with their business and their products and their services that allow for that like I'll just call it authenticity because it's a blank canvas word, but allow that like inner artist to really shine through. They're going to stand out. And I look at like our brand compared to all of the other people teaching people to make e-courses. And it's kind of like a, it's a shiny thing and it really does stand out. And that's because there's so much creativity that was infused into it. The artist's passion compared to just that sort of like meeting the need because. Yeah. Which we're still doing, you know, and that's the beauty of what I love to do is how we're teaching artists how to be more entrepreneurial and like kind of step up their game a little bit. But we're also teaching entrepreneurs how to be more artistic. Right. And it's just like merging those worlds. Yeah. Now, I just like a little pivot on this conversation um, because your business model has always intrigued me. Uh, You know, you travel around the world leading marketing workshops for hippies on complete and total trust that they're going to pay you because of your pay what you can business model. Now, can you just tell us, because I actually, I copycatted your business model back in my meditation days with when I first got into online courses. I'm just like, I'm curious to just talk about how you arrived at leading workshops, weekend long workshops, like, you know, 16 hour workshops where people pay you at the end of the workshop based on value received. Cause that's, it's amazing. Yeah. Well, it started because I was, uh, going to Fairfield, Iowa, my friend, uh, ocean Robbins had a speaking gig, but he couldn't make it and said, do you want to go in my place? He's speaking to kind of about environmental change making and stuff. I said, sure. So I was in touch with the coordinators. I said, well, you know, I'll be there for a few days for the whole thing. So why don't I can do run a like a, also a circle for young activists? Great. So what about a fundraising workshop? Great. I said, you know, I've been getting into this marketing stuff. I can do that too. Great. So I was just busy the whole time. And I felt like a little D-grade celebrity, you know. <laughs> and it, it just went really well. And I loved Fairfield. It's this t- crazy town in Iowa where the... Um, the Maharishi University of Management is so there are these two gold domes. Half the town meditates twice a day, half the town doesn't. And, uh, it's a trippy place, I, and I just was so charmed by it. So then I came back the next year to do a workshop. But you know, way back in the day, I only had a desktop, I didn't have a laptop computer, and it died about a month before I had to hit the road, and I wasn't able to do any work on it to promote the workshop, and nobody had signed up. And then, uh, then I was on the road for a while before that so I st- anyways long story short I showed up in Fairfield Iowa with a, a couple intro workshops I had like three p three or four people on the first night and 12 people on the next night 
no, 16 people the next night. And and nobody had signed up for my weekend workshop, which it included three one-on-one coaching sessions afterwards to integrate. And I was thinking I was charging $1,500, $2,000 for the whole thing, including the coaching and plus a bunch of materials. And so I did my first intro and I just was, and nobody signed up for the weekend. I just thought, oh man, this is so brutal. Um, but I don't know how, you know, it is. We start to rationalize and say, well, you know, it's, I mean, I guess I'm not going to make my this trip, but that's business. You know, you got to invest forward and I'm building relationships with people next time I come. You know. So I was fully just resigned to losing a bunch of money on this. And then the second intro, 16 people were there. And I just, on a whim, because, you know, I grew up watching street performers in this busking model where you do the show in advance and you pay at the end. So I basically proposed that. I said, look, we'll cut out the follow-up calls, but uh, you just pay at the end of whatever you want to pay. Because I'm already here in town. My, you know, it cost me more money to change my flight. So I'm, I'm not leaving till Monday. So why don't you just come pay me whatever you want to pay at the end? And people got really excited about it and they signed up. And I had like 12 people sign up immediately. So that sort of was uh, a wake up call to have that kind of response. And I did it and it was such a delight. And then I, you know, of course I ended up making money on it. And then ever since then, it's just been a kind of tinkering with and, and retooling and understanding how to do it in, in a way that's, um, that works best for everyone involved. But yeah, that's where it started was just desperation. I, I, um, but for the first few years, I told people in the workshops, I said, don't get used to this pay what you can thing. I don't know if I'll do this next year. I'm still, it's still early. I'm still testing it out. I'm not convinced this is going to be sustainable. So I'd only done it a few times. And and at a certain point, I just stopped saying it because it was clear that it, it worked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, now, what do you think about it? Like, what makes it work? I mean, that's risky business. Like, you just got back from a Europe trip. And you could essentially, you know, go to Europe, pay for your plane tickets, accommodations, travel, all that sort of stuff. And people could just kind of be like, eh, not going to pay, you know, (laughs) like, yeah, well, you got, you got to be good. Yeah. True. It's the, it's the same with street performing. If you're not good, you don't get paid. Yeah. Uh That's, that's how it goes. If you, you know, the Edmonton street performance festival was just here and yeah, they pay their own travel. But they, they work so hard for so long. You know, it takes probably a decade for them to build up a show that's really, really good. Yeah. Um, and that's just part of it. You know, in the beginning, they probably keep their day job, but they pay their dues. Yeah. And they get really good. And you just know if you get, you know, some good weather, a good crowd, um, you'll make some significant money. That's the whole art of it. Um, so I know if I don't do a good workshop, I don't get paid, which feels proper in my mind. Yeah. Um, why should they pay me if it's not any any good? Yeah. A little and- related anecdote or whatever is that uh, up up in Edmonton during the Art Walk um, in 2013, I kind of gorillaed myself into a spot uh, as a busker, and uh, on the first day I made seven about 650 bucks. I know, right? People were like, uh, someone came up to me. He's like, you should kind of like maybe take your money out of your little box at the front. It's starting to blow away. And I was like, <laughs> what? So I looked around. And it's just like this treasure chest. It's like, holy shit. Okay, great. Put it in my pockets and <laughs> went up the next day and did the same thing. It was just one of those like, holy moly. Like you can really do this if you've got a good show in the right place. And it's just like cha-ching, right? 
I uh, the one thing I like about your your approach to this is also that it it works with your demographic. You know, yeah. it's, it's people who are have a, a an interesting relationship with money in the first place. Uh-huh. and are kind of afraid to give away their hard-earned money because it's it's almost like a scarcity issue that I find a lot of people, even including myself, coming from that space, having to kind of, you know, develop a, a different relationship. Yeah. And therefore, to sit on your, you know, on your workshop and like, well, if this guy's no good, I, I'm not going to waste my money, probably fills the seats. Yeah. It does. I mean, this is functionally what works so well whether it's street performing or this or, or whatever it is, it, it lowers the risk of taking the first step, which is one of the fundamental things marketing has got to do. Yeah. It's got to be easy for people to take that first step because often if they take the first step and they find they like you, yeah. they'll spend more money down the road. But if they never take that first step, uh, yeah, you're hooped. Yeah. That's why for the Grady course adventure, we give a free 14 day free trial. Like it's, I said free twice there. That's how free it is, folks. It's a free 14-day <laughs> free trial. Uh-huh, yeah. And that gives people the chance to like binge watch the course and come to a coaching session with us and experience the community. If they don't like it, then just cancel. And and that's that. And um, I will say I, I got inspired by the pay what you can model. And I did that with my meditation stuff for years. And there's something different when you have the in-person thing and people are accountable to you at the end of the workshop and you're like, okay, you know, put your money in your envelope or you write a check, put it in your envelope and you're like there. Um, I had a sliding scale of like for my one courses, $1, $21, $57 and $108 and you know, 70% paid a dollar. And uh, you know, I had probably 10,000 people over the course of several years pay that dollar but uh, and then like another 15 plus percent probably paid the 21 dollars um these numbers are definitely estimates but i think there there was less accountability there was less uh, you know even at the end of the course i would have it you know if you took a lot away from this and make a donation back based on the value received and very few people did that and i think there's this like disconnect that happens online that people are like, oh, this isn't a real person or, oh, this person must be crushing it. So I don't need to like contribute to their their thing. There's de- there was definitely a disconnect, but I did it for about two years as, as an experiment. And uh, um, I mean, it definitely helped me to expand my reach, which in the turn ended up bringing me a lot of licensing opportunities and it's all kind of balanced itself out. But yeah. Very interesting. Do you recommend this system for others? Well, I I recommend figuring out ways to lower the risk for people to take the first step. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's that's the fundamental. Everybody, I recommend to pay what you can. I think different in different situations. I don't recommend it as a panacea, as a apply it all across your business. You know, I charge three hundred dollars an hour for focus one on one coaching. Uh, my ebooks, it's all a flat fee. My mentorship program is 400 US a month. So most of it's flat fee, except the live workshops. And some people do it the other way, where the workshops would be the flat fee and then the, all the online products would be page can or slide scale. Yeah. So it, it's useful to think about what's an element of your business that you could do on this kind of a basis. Mm. But of course, there's also barter, there's sliding scale, there's gift economy. You know, there's a lot of mm-hmm. ways to do it. I would, n- I would not recommend 
people do it as for their whole business. Um, I don't think that works. I don't think that's necessarily sustainable. Um, you know, if I were to just tour and I wanted to be on the road all the time, I might just do that. But there's all these other parts. I mean, I could do everything Pay What You Can, but it's just good to know that Pay What You Can has its own stresses for people. Mm-hmm. It can, it, some people actually prefer to pay the flat fee because with Pay What You Can, there's always this, am I insulting them? Is this too little? Yeah. Yeah. That's stressful. And it's, you know, so if you did a yoga class and it was always Pay What You Can, there might be people who don't come because it's paid, but you can. Yeah, right. I did. Or if I, oh God, what if I, um, I'm only paying form. $5 every time and now I start to feel guilty about it. Like I owe them, so I'll just stop going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did that with my meditation workshops. I led like 500 meditation workshops. And for a chunk of that time, I did uh, by donation. And uh, it was awkward. And, and I I could feel the awkwardness of the donation part you know like some people would not know what to do and yeah i uh i think you have such a a beautiful way of communicating the pay what you can part like at the end of your workshops there's no awkwardness you like you really diffuse it and i i remember it was it was years ago now that i came to your workshop for the first time but yeah i was in a tight money situation at the time and i just remember like you really diffuse that um that part of me that felt like i wouldn't be giving enough uh and you also like called people that had their means that if this was valuable to you like pay what you would pay a professional and uh and Mm. yeah there was there was an awesome i i can't remember exactly how you said it but i remember i was really impressed and and inspired and that's why i went on to to experiment with that as well it's obviously been successful for you Hey, I'm still alive and eating food, so that's good. <laughs> um, I'm curious, like, aside from the model itself, what have you learned about humans and hippies in the process of, you know, like touring and and doing this model all over the world? Like, what sort of lessons have you had, or do you have any good stories of experiences you had? Yeah, I'm sorry. somebody's mowing the lawn out here. So let me. Quiet. Just stick your head out of the window and say, shut up! Do you know who I am? <laughs> um, the, uh, gosh, what have I learned? Well, in terms of the pay what you can thing, um, I've, I've learned that I've learned that people are people treat you about as well as you ask to be treated. Hmm. You know, if you, um, if you stand up there at the front of the room and you say, so thanks for coming to the workshop, there's a basket at the back, put some money in, you know, if you, if you want to or not, or don't, I mean, just, or take money, you know, cause maybe you need it more than, you know, if you <laughs> place, that communicates that you've got no self-respect and no boundaries. People will often just treat you like that. Um, you know, very few people walk up to you at the end and say, can I give you a coaching session on this or, or do some intervention? They'll just, it's a, uh, yeah. And so th- this shows up for clients in a lot of ways of, of, it's not just pay what you can, but you don't have a cancellation policy. So clients keep canceling last minute because there's no consequences for not canceling. Yeah. Or um, uh, sessions keep running over time because you can't stop your clients. Uh, or they keep paying late 
and, and less than you asked and you don't say anything. So then people will just say, well, oh, I guess this is okay. And so with pay what you can, there is something about uh, the way that we ask for the money, the way we position the whole thing that can communicate uh, a sense of uh, self-respect, a sense of um, boundaries in a certain way. And then people, people I find do tend to honor that. I've had people send me money years later that they wanted like a $500 check that came five years later. Wow. Hmm. That's pretty special. Had to kind of renege on it and couldn't pay it. And so I, I've had that. And um, yeah. And, and I've also seen that people, um, it, well, I, I don't know if this culture is particularly big on courtesy. I'll say that. I don't know if being raised in this dominant culture in North America is the best schooling for how to treat other people well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's nobody's fault. This isn't a kind of finger pointing or blaming thing, but it just, it seems to be how it is. And it's good to know that walking in, because if, if you start doing this thing and, and making oneself very vulnerable and extending this level of trust to people, and one does it naively, yeah. one can really get taken advantage. Of, you know, I mean, how many people have kind of, admitted something very vulnerable on Facebook only to be pilloried and yeah. uh, attacked. So, so we don't want to be naive in, in uh, anything that we're doing in our business. And yet, if we're able to stand strong on ourselves, I find people do tend to respond to that. There is something very attractive about self-respect. Yeah. Um, and there's something repulsive about a, a lack of self-esteem and it can, you know, I've been thinking about this for a while of how um, there's this dynamic between the predator and the protector. And there, there's this relationship they both have that is um, worth knowing about, that they're, they don't exist independently. They don't exist as, I don't know, abstract archetypes or they're not just constantly there. They're brought into existence by the presence of something. And it's the same something for both of them, meaning without that something, they're not there. And that thing is is a weakness or vulnerability. That when weakness and vulnerability appear, those two things appear. And of course, in this culture, uh, we certainly have both. You know, there's people that when they see weakness, they step in to protect. And there's people when they see it, <coughs> uh, predate. You know, and take advantage of. And try to get something and of course we've all got both we all have inclination for predation and for taking things without asking or before there's a capacity to give it even or, or give consent or permission so it's I, I wish it weren't more common but it does seem to be mm -hmm. so it's 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 important to um know that that's out there and to set up the necessary containers so that that gets uh, that part of people that might want to take advantage sees that this isn't weakness. Or it's, it's a kind of vulnerability without weakness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then it, that part of people that might be uh, predacious kind of step back and, and don't take advantage because it is out there. Of course, all of us have been taken advantage of in business, romantically, friendships, you know, the betrayals. It's, it's all there. Um, yeah. No, I'm just curious because I I think 
100% of the people who are watching this now and in the future, we're all, we're all teachers. We're all sharing what it is that we're passionate about. Um, I think is an experiment. We all need more practice teaching what we want to teach. I'm wondering if like, have you ever given a challenge to people? Like if you're feeling called, like do a workshop and just experiment with this model and see if it works for you. Um, the baby it, you can model. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it takes courage to do it and it's, uh, I mean, it could be a fun experiment to offer people out there that are listening. Like, Hmm, I'm curious. Yeah, it's, uh, have I done that? Uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I have, but I've also cautioned people a lot about it. It's my next ebook, it's in the process of being written right now is how to run page can workshops. Um, I always tell people just before you do it, talk to me because it's not as simple as just putting on a workshop, putting a basket out at the end and asking people to give money. I mean, you'll make some money, but yeah, you know, there's, there's better ways to, to do it and frame it that will feel better to everybody involved um, and be more profitable, et cetera, et cetera. So right. I, I would not recommend somebody listening to this to just like, oh yeah, let's go do that workshop I always do for yeah. just pay what you can because there's there's at least two or three things I could say about it that, that would be helpful, but it'll be in the ebook. So one of the things uh, that we've been noticing just like in our model, because with the great e-course adventure, it's this interesting dynamic between uh, you know, it's, it's a business course for people looking to be uh, developing their e-course and being entrepreneurial, but we do it in a way that's kind of quirky and fun. And we've gone through a lot of different models ourselves just with that, just, yeah. you know, exploring and experimenting. And it's, I find, you know, just witnessing this relationship between when it's priced low, we get people who... Oh, it's a good deal. Oh, it's a good deal. Well, I'll and, take that. Right? I'm never going to do it, but it is a good deal. I don't want to miss out on that. <laughs> yeah. And then, and we find that sometimes they're not really committed. Yeah. Is a big part of it. And then we're also <laughs> looking to help entrepreneurs that, you know, might actually be making a lot of money and in a different sort of bracket of, of experience, so to speak, of just where their income is and they look at something that's 40 bucks a month and it's like, well, that might not be worth anything. Yeah. But if we right. price it all of a sudden at $500 a month, you know, all of a sudden there's like, there's an art form that we're witnessing. Yeah. And we actually just doubled our rates for a couple of our courses. Um, <laughs> our, our free course, uh, we just bumped up to a hundred dollars and our, our green screen magic course, we just bumped to $200 and we're making sales on those. And we're just like, it just feels really good, and we're keeping the Grady Course Adventure at the $35 a month range for now. Um, but for us, it felt like a, a really important step because of the tools that people are receiving by signing up for these courses. We're like, you know what? We need to we need to take these serious. The Grady Course Adventure is kind of like the 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 path and then the deep dives are these other courses they're like really deep dives to go much much deeper into the topics that we're right, we're teaching in parts, yeah. yeah um and it's uh we'd been resisting this for two years you know like changing our rates we've been like well let's just keep it the best course at the lowest price we want to be and affordable for everyone like <laughs> yeah. that's like our heart really wants this to be accessible for everybody and, and, you know, part of that reality, at least that we've been experiencing in the world is, you know, like a lot of our friends, they don't have a lot of money and it's like, well, then let's like keep it at 40 bucks. Cause then they can at least do it too. Uh, but then it's, 
it doesn't seem to work. We did the 35 a month for a year and a half as the experiment. And, uh, you know, it wasn't a sustainable business model for us to, to date. And so we're like, well, we need to shift some things around. And so this is the new experiment. And if yeah. in six months from now, this experiment doesn't prove to be beneficial for us and for the people that are signing up for our courses, then, then so be it. And what we're finding as well is like, with increasing the prices, people are going to take the course more serious and complete it. And for us, mm -hmm. like our goal is completion rates. We want people to get results. And if they have a higher vested interest in the course, then they're more likely to actually follow through and, and do the work rather than just kind of linger and, and not be a part of the community and the experience. Right. And this is all, this is all theory. You know, it was just like a week and a half ago we made the <laughs> switch and so far, it feels really good really to have done that. Yeah. Well, and this is, you know, part of, um, I feel like one of the roles that marketing needs to play is also this kind of filtering role where you're marketing. It's not just trying to get everyone to say yes. It's, it's trying to, you know, make it easy for the right people to say yes, but the, the marketing is actively filtering out people for whom mm -hmm. it's not a fit because there are consequences of having people say yes who aren't a fit and one of those consequences is just a bad word of mouth you know people say oh, i joined it but it didn't really do anything or yeah. you know uh refunds and complaints and all, all this hassle or you feel guilty because you can see people are spending money and they're not getting anything out of it so so one of the things you know i did was i created this are you sure page yeah for a number of programs because when i started to notice people weren't a fit but they're still signing up there's a page where it just slows them down and says, okay, look, thanks for wanting to sign up. I'm flattered. And, you know, you probably didn't read the whole sales letter. You didn't really think it through because I don't. So here's the most important pieces below, not the whole sales letter, but the main things that might decide, you know. So I'm just wondering if you could do this with the great e-course adventure or something where it'd be like, look, um, we're hippies and we have these huge social consciences and mm -hmm. this makes it crippling for us when people join and don't do anything. Yeah. So if you're going to join and spend money and just not do anything, it makes it hard for us to sleep because we feel like we're taking advantage of people. So before you sign up, we just want you to meditate. Maybe we'll lead you on a little meditation right now. Like, is this the right time yeah. for you? And here's some things to help you figure out if it might be the right time. And, you know, there are little things we can do like this so that people aren't, um, aren't signing up who aren't a fit and then we yeah. we sleep really easily because we know we've actually tried to dissuade people yeah uh, you know it's funny just in my mentorship program today in the call we there was a, a woman who had a client that she had some kind of red flags about and she actually had two that just felt off about them and i said well one of the things i would do is go over your sales materials and ask yourself how could i make this sales letter repulsive to those people so they would actively be <laughs> they would never want to sign up. Maybe they'd even be offended. Great, fine. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. We actually uh this idea of, of the are, are you sure page, we were at a party a couple weeks ago and a guy came up. He's like, hey, you're Brad and Blair from the Great E-Course Adventure. We're like, yeah, who are you? He's like, oh, yeah, I've been in the course for nine months paying you guys 35 bucks a month and I haven't done anything. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I like what you're doing, but I just haven't had the time. And he just keeps paying us every month. And like, <laughs> yeah. come on, people, just like, 
do the work. It made us start <laughs> to wonder how many people out there are doing that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, for us as a teacher, the most delightful thing is, and, and as a creator, is when we get to witness people interact with the thing that we imagined and then created and put out into the mm-hmm. world. Like that for us is the true joy and to get the feedback on people like actually going through these courses and stuff like this, like with green screen magic, like anybody that's actually doing that course, it's crazy fun for like anybody that wants to learn how to use these magical devices called a green screen. (laughs) But uh, you know, like it's, but when we don't see people saying, this is the coolest thing ever, we're like, we know if somebody's going through the course, they're going to be messaging us saying, oh my God, my mind's blown. Like, how did you guys do this effect and all this sort of stuff? But, you know, when it's silence, we know, like, you're not doing the work because you'd be like taps on the shoulder saying, this is so cool. And that's what we want. Like, we want this. So this is so mm-hmm. cool. And sharing what they're learning. What's actually really cool is now that we've moved to Mighty Networks, our new platform, yeah. it's got analytics that actually yeah. show how far our students have gone in each of our courses. Yeah. And I think they're going to be improving that even more so to get more, even more specific. And yeah. it's, it's awesome. It's just all this new information that allows us as facilitators and teachers to yeah. help them. Like you just sent a whole Last bunch year. of messages. Last week, I, s- I spent an hour and a half and I went through every single person and I saw where they are in the course. And based on where they are in the course, I sent them a, you know, a manual message saying, hey, Personal I see you're this yeah. far in the course. You know, where's your video homework that we've assigned you? Like, what are you doing? Do you need any help? Are you stuck on it? And just, I got so many responses from people who say like, wow, you actually care. Thank you so much. I've been having family issues or I've been like distracted or whatever. And it just opened up a beautiful dialogue that people weren't really expecting like Mm -hmm. that level of care. Well, let me tie this back to something you were talking about before I came on of the you know, we only use 10% of our brain's capacity or whatever. I mean, who knows if it would even be wise to use more of our brain's capacity. Maybe that's the design for reading. <laughs> it might be good. Um, I saw a John Travolta movie about it and it didn't end well. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, so, but customer service is marketing. Mm-hmm. It's just to consider the dynamics of word of mouth. Word of mouth, people rave about things because they got a good result from it. I mean, if you <coughs> eat a sandwich and it's really good at this deli, you know, like, oh my God, this is the place to get that sandwich. I mean, the result was delicious sandwich. But, you know, as we've had many conversations about with e-courses, it's do they finish the course? Do they get the result that the course promised? Because if they get that result, they're more likely to, or any software, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Most people use a fraction of the potential of the software. And if they understood the software better and all the things you could do, they'd probably be getting better results from it and raving about it more like, oh my God, did you know the software can do this and this and this? And I had no idea. Yeah. And so ipso facto, you know, I remember hearing about a, a software company that for their marketing, they spent their marketing budget on the customer service. And very similar, they would reach out to their customers and just say, hey, how's it going? And what are you using the software for? And did you know it could do this? And just helping, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and being available for this all the time. And so what that meant was when their customers would call them, you know, they were available and they learned how to use the software better, which meant they wanted to, instead of jumping to another software, they kept deepening and they really built a relationship with the company and raved about how good the software was. So it's customer service is not this separate thing. Yeah, if people are getting more out of the program, 
if it's been more useful, they're getting more results and they can see yeah, the, the people care and um, the word of mouth is going to be better. And that's most of marketing is yeah. getting the word of mouth going in, in, in the right direction. Totally. So as a solopreneur, I mean, you, you were solo for a long time. I know you have an assistant now who helps out a lot. Like as somebody who's like just you know, they're trying to wear the marketing hat, they're wearing the service provider hat, they're wearing the customer service hat, like all these different hats. Um, any suggestions for people on like how, how people doing all the hats can just up the game a little bit? Yeah, well, I mean, the first thing was to have a really simple business model. I mean, and this gets back to what you were talking mm -hmm. about earlier around this lifestyle piece. Don't have a crazy business model. Don't keep inventing new things all the time because this is what often happens for entrepreneurs is they keep inventing the new product, the next launch, the next thing. Each one of those things requires so much effort. You know, it's like a, a rocket ship getting up into space, you know? Mm -hmm. The fuel gets used uh, just to break the <laughs> gravitational field of the atmosphere. Or airplanes, similar kind of dynamic. Once it's in the jet stream, it's smooth sailing. Very little fuel gets used. So to create a new thing, that's so much work. Yeah. So it's much better to have a very simple business model that is a... You can just kind of repeat it, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. You know, it's funny. There's a woman in who was in my mentorship program. She's a homeopath, and we were talking. She had a retreat in my living room. I said, "Well, so what do you want to specialize in? What are you best at?" So, helping people with the um, uh, uh, autoimmune diseases. I said, "Have you ever?" And you know, of course, this is a big thing, and there's a lot of risk for people. And, and why would I hire you? And so I said, "Have you ever done just an intro workshop, just about?" your perspective on autoimmune disease she never had hmm. i said great yeah you should do an intro workshop like it's like three four hours something just really give it to them let them know how you see it mm -hmm. yeah and again because lowering that still... risk that yeah, you're not going exactly. to commit to someone that might not be really yeah in alignment and so she said great i'll do that and then wh what topic should i do next month and i looked and i was like the same one every month <laughs> for at least 12 months you know but that's the inclination. That's well, what's yeah, the next eight. thing? Yeah. Well, the next thing is that thing, but yeah. it's better. It's yeah. making it it's better. Like, you yeah. know, in Tai Chi, you know, it's, uh, I remember Tony Robbins talking about this, but there's some grandmaster who's like, there's like these five moves. And people always be like, great, what's the next move? I'd be, no, no, no. That is the next move. The next move is you do that, but you feel different inside. Mm. So similar in business, you want to have a very simple business model and you you keep working that yeah um you know and deepening that and making that more successful so that you're not doing customer service on a million different things yeah but you keep and you keep resystematizing mm -hmm. things to make it simpler and easier and better and you keep filtering so that you don't have to do it as much uh, troubleshooting customer service because the wrong people got in your program so you filter those people out and pretty soon everyone is in your program should be in your program they're the right people um, and you make things easier. You know, I'm sure you two are just tinkering nonstop on these things to, well, we should put this link here and this link here and make it more obvious here and give a feedback button. Here. You know, you keep doing those things and it becomes easier and easier. But if you're always doing a new thing, right. you, you don't ever have the time or the space to, to do that refining and tinkering. Yeah, you know, really I did my the power of commitment. Yeah. The power of commi it's the power of commitment and how that really translates long-term success and for course creators this is one of the reasons I'm, I'm pretty stoked on mighty networks as well is like for us we're building a network where all of our students would be able to upload their gamified themified courses in that and it's 
so easy to build courses in Mighty Network so you don't waste any time on tech. You just upload yeah. a course. And that the entire like umbrella of e-course adventures and all of the courses and all of the individual communities within those courses are all under one place. So it's like I get the notifications for all of those courses and all those communities all under one roof. Like I'm no longer on Facebook. I'm no longer on any other social medias. It's all just under like this e-course adventures space. And so for Focusing. me, it's like it allows us to just focus in on this one URL and everything yeah. lives there. You know, our blogs now there, we share these shows there. Like it's all just there. Um, mm -hmm. and that's, it's for course creators. It's a, it's, it's a pretty cool opportunity what they're building. And, um, we've been consulting with them for, I guess it's been five months. They just launched the course builder and what they're coming out with over the next 12 months is going to be really exciting for people that want to build the community and courses. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Tad, this has been great. I know we're at the top of the hour and we try to do our best to keep this conversation, you know, somewhat short for people to digest. I want to keep talking. Though. I know, but you're going to have to do this again. Yeah. There's so much to chat about, you know, once this conversation's going and yeah. just to be able to pick your brain. And I know we barely scratched the surface on hardly what you've learned in the last decade of, <laughs> of hippie marketing. But um, yeah, so we'll definitely have to get you back on the show. Yeah, just okay. to connect. But you know, so everybody, if you're if you're into Ted's work and his philosophy, and and just go to marketingforhippies.com. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. Get on the email list. Tad sends out the best newsletters that are marketing related, as well as just like inspiring videos and videos and articles around activism and like how to get more involved in the world for things that really matter to you. Like such a, a well-rounded, awesome newsletter. So totally. you're like, as far as people who um, are devoted to the craft of serving their audience, Tad does an amazing job and demonstrates it well. And you can tell like, you know, like with your newsletter, Tad, like, the people on the receiving end of your newsletter, how often you're thinking about them and thinking like, oh, this would be really valuable to them and I'm going to send this out because people appreciate it. And you do such a good job at that. Yeah. Before you go though, Ted, I, um, I know we haven't actually put much focus in on the, the chat that's going on in the background as well. So I just want to honor here one of these questions from Christine. I'm a manual therapist and today I had one cancellation last minute uh, and a no-show. They both offered to pay, but I said, no problem. Let me, uh, let me know if you'd like to reschedule. Your thoughts? Yeah, she's teaching people how to disrespect her mm. is the bottom line. Mm -hmm. um, I would say a cancellation policy of if you cancel within 24 to 48 hours, you pay the full fee. And um, and if you and if you no show, you you can book your next session after you've paid for the one that you missed. It's it's so important. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I I mean I admire the generosity. <laughs> I don't know if that always brings out the best in people. Um, people can just start to say, oh, there's no boundaries here, right? Yeah. So I don't have to, you know, just next time. Are they going to be more conscientious about re, you know rebooking? And of course, now if they don't know there's a policy and you say no, you have to pay it, that can be weird. So it just needs to be clear. It needs to be communicated ex with 
explicitly either in person or when they sign up is here's the cancellation policy. Mm -hmm. Right. It's just, it's just boundaries. I mean, it'd be like, you know, uh, if you, uh, you met somebody, you said, let's go on a date and you get all dressed up, you know, and you're looking good. You're smelling good. Cause you're really excited about this date, mm -hmm. show up at the place and they don't show. And then you get a call a little later or, you know, you've been sitting there, oh, I can't make it. Sorry. Or they never call. Or it's like even half an hour before and they bail. And you just say, oh, it's totally fine. Yeah. It's it, there's a similar thing of, right. you know, that doesn't feel great. It yeah. sets that precedence for them to continue and, and yeah. just others. It is, it's more of the energetic. And I think we all know, like, as a service provider, I mean, I know, like, when I'm going to do a coaching call or I'm going to teach a workshop or any of those things, like, that event is on my mind all day. And energetically, I'm preparing myself to be yes. of the highest service to that person. And I'm, mm -hmm. like, trying to tune into the energy field so that I can deliver on that. And so, like, if you're giving sessions to somebody – like you're you're mentally and emotionally preparing and clearing yourself to be a channel for whatever it is that person needs and then if they just you know all of a sudden like oh i'm not really feeling it and they drop out mm -hmm. it's like you just you know your mental and emotional energy was going towards that and then it just kind of like dissolves it's a deflating experience for sure well and i mean let me also just say this to christine i understand the intention around compassion and being chill about things and, and i'm probably too uptight about things sometimes honestly but um so i admire that but here's also what i'd say is the thing that makes us human beings is consequence you know and we walk around feeling so insubstantial so much there's an epidemic of people feeling like they don't matter you know and matter connected to physical matter mother meter measurable substance you know with limits to it and people feel like they don't matter and part of this is because there never end up being any consequences for what we do and so i remember i did a paper scan just to tie back to the paper scan i did a paper scan workshop but i thought what i'll do is i'll send people the video in advance of all the content and then you just show up and there'll be a day of q a which is more fun for me so i, I set that up it's in my living room here you know watching and and i uh and people sign up and there were five no-shows which is very high i did it twice and there were five no-shows on both days out of ten so half the people no-show i realized what it was is because i got the video in advance and because it was pay what you can i ended up writing a really big blog post about this which i sent to everyone <laughs> just detailing when you no-show there are consequences to this mm. number one is maybe i designed the workshop for 10 people not five and so now I can't do some of the things. Number two, I wait because maybe you're late. And if you didn't let me know you're not coming or I'm not checking my email because the workshop's about to start, now I'm waiting. So now the workshop starts late. Number three, I start the workshop deflated because just as a human being, I was expecting this. <clears throat> it was different. I'm a little disappointed. So now I have to get over that. And number four, I make less money. You didn't show up. I make less money. Number five, somebody else might want the seat. Mm -hmm. But because you bailed like this, now they didn't get to go and somebody got turned away potentially. So I wrote this up and I sent it to all of them who didn't show up. I said, I just need you to know this isn't neutral. You're not showing up. Some were a little defensive and some were, you I know. can see how that would have ruffled a few feathers. I love it. Yeah. Uh-huh. But Ruffle it's real. On. It's so real. Yeah. It's true. 
so it's it's just it's it's good for us to stop pretending that there aren't consequences on us for these things because consequences for christine is yet yeah, everything brad's saying she's getting ready her time is now wasted and, and somebody else might have wanted that session she doesn't make as much money All maybe she's things. renting a space and now it's actually out of her oh. pocket yeah or you could have went to the beach all day. You could have got up at 8 a.m. and went to the oh, beach. Like, it's summertime. Only your only session that day. Yeah. And otherwise, you would have rescheduled your day entirely differently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe there are friends of yours who need your support, and you couldn't be there for them. It's like, it's 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 good to get real with ourselves about what the consequences are. Yeah, of our totally. Day. It's a good lesson on boundaries for sure, you know. So everybody listening and, and watching this maybe later down the road, just reflect on how you could possibly improve the boundaries that you have in place. And you know, once we set that me- motion, you know, and that message out uh, into the world, it's going to reflect back. Yeah. And just to be able to witness how that's going to change your experience. Totally. Yeah. I am definitely like now that I'm a dad and we do so much stuff with work, like I am, I am so protective of my time. Like my time is so valuable mm-hmm. to me that I just, I, don't want to waste everything I'm doing needs to feel important to me otherwise I'm not like I don't want to be there and if I don't want to be there like I'm not going to be there yeah and <laughs> which you know, yeah I was just gonna say and then speaking of boundaries too we try to keep this you know within around an hour <laughs> <laughs> right so we're so gonna sp- cut you off we're gonna <laughs> cut this off here so we can complete just to respect the boundaries of our listeners because and yours ted because we said we were going to be here for an hour yeah, and you, now we're an hour and 11 minutes from going to the beach you right? should be at the beach 11 minutes ago so um tad we're definitely going to bring you back Thank and you tomorrow so for all the people that are on tad's email list you would have received an email today that we're doing a private screening of our outer space themed adventure on the art of e-course creation yeah, we're going to teach you themification gamification we're going to teach you to create worlds and our, and our philosophy on what's you know bringing a lot of success our way and really is a, just a new trend of relating with students over this medium you know so, called e-courses we're yeah. stoked to see you there tomorrow tad and awesome yeah else. totally yeah thank you so much all right marketing for hippies.com Peace ladies and, and love, brother tad hargrave all right. So. All right. It's now that time of the show that always follows our interviews. At least it has historically. The <laughs> how did you do that? Where we show you how we created one of our crazy scenes or video lessons from the Great E Course Adventure or something else. And today, for the how did you do that section, we're actually going to show a rap video that we made. Yeah, so this is uh, something that Brad came up this idea. He wanted to do some more interesting marketing than what's usually out there. Um, and so, yeah, he approached me, you know, it was like last summer. Yeah. And that uh, he wanted to do this rap battle between, you know, these two characters, you know, Brad in kind of more real life and this character that's part of our great e-course adventure, Slick Rick, yeah. who kind of represents that shady side of marketing. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they're going to like, Bring it and, battle it, and out. battle it out. So I'm just going to switch here my screen, bring it over, and uh, yeah. So there, here we go. So we're going to watch it. It's just three minutes long, and then we're just going to chat about the experience and <laughs> and then try to finish up here in the next six six minutes or so. Yeah. Just so if you're listening, here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the epic Ecorse Rap Battle. Flip, Rick. 
versus B-Rad! Begin! Step right off and learn my new blueprint for making six figures faster than you can think. Come on, Slick Rick, you're making me feel sick with all of your schemes for getting rich quick. Don't listen to him, he's just a jealous Scrooge. Now pay attention, and I'll tell you what to do. So first things first, you gotta make a course. So slap together a PowerPoint and PDF resource. Come on, Rick, that's your advice? To make a half-assed e-course without thinking twice? The name of the game is to move your students forward, so you better get creative or they'll quit cause they're bored. Forget that guy, he's a wiener anyway. It's time for the best part, how you get paid. So here's what you do, you slap a big price on your course Because they'll think the value must be worth way more In the art of douchebaggery, I understand your game But it's moves like this that give e-learning a bad name Aww, <laughs> oh, you're gonna make me cry But if you follow him, your business will die So let's move to the third thing that you will need to do Build your lead magnet to attract people too you gotta promise big with the free thing as your bait Then upsell to your paid course that you create Well the first thing that I'll say is these are people not leads So rather than manipulating, they'll like them for free If you focus on service and giving value up front Then they'll know if they like you and what you do is what they want Sounds like a winning strategy for a loser. Whatever, Slick Rick. Whatever. <laughs> Want to flush them down your funnel and give their gift at no cost. Send a ton of emails till they buy or get lost. To ensure they buy fast, you gotta play on their fear. Make them feel like a loser if they don't buy now and here. Or instead of that strategy, you can play the long game, which is to create amazing offerings that give you a good name. As people's lives change and word starts to spread, you'll be a trusted leader rather than him. Whose reputation will be dead. It's fine. Yeah. Whatever. So this brings us to my one final step. Sign up for my e-course and I'll show you the rest. For one easy payment of $9.97. I'll lead you myself to six-figure heaven. But you need to act now, cause there's limited space. And I only work with people who take action today. Bravo, Slick Rick. That sounds like quite a deal. Or perhaps I should say. More like a steal. So with all this being said, it's time to choose your own fate. Do you follow down Rick's path or do you make something great? That's the worst advice I've heard in all my time. Cause you're a loser if you don't follow mine. Peace out. Thanks for the epic e-course rap battle, Rick. Good luck with your online business. Hey. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> Oh man, that uh, that was a lot of fun. I remember I was doing stonework at our old property, and uh, and I was out in the garden, and the lyrics of that song just started coming to me, and I just kept like line by line. I would just like plug them into my phone with voice to text, and uh, that rap video actually came from frustration. I was just so mm. freaking tired with the sales funnels and like they're trying to make people feel bad for not buying your product and like basically everything rick rapped about i was just watching it come and be bombarded into my email box every time somebody was launching a course and i was just really fed up with it mm -hmm. and we were you know really living by these other principles and i just wanted these two opposing forces to have this rap battle which i mean ultimately we were doing all of the things rick was saying in that video before the Grady course adventure most of us learn it's just kind of the way the industry has evolved yeah. and now we're getting to a point where i think we're on to it most of us 
you know, kind of get upset when we're just bombarded and afraid yeah. to give our email to anybody for yeah. a free ebook. And it's just like, oh, every day another email. And yeah. It's just like, no, no. Yeah. Alone. So for that one, I wanted that to be my first, like, right? big green screen project. So how did we do that? So how did we do First of all, that? I want to how did we do that? <laughs> I missed it. You know, at first I want to say that was that was really good. You you know, since we've been working together, you've been learning so much just through being around uh, producing things with me, right? And the great Blair Dini's a good man. <laughs> and so that was uh, your first attempt at a multi-layered green screen based production. Yeah. So first I'll start. Um, the way that we did the music is like I had the idea I wanted to do this video and I wrote the lyrics. I had the lyrics in a Google Doc and then I found a beat that was not the beat you hear in that uh, through Audio Jungle and I basically did a really terrible rough first draft of the rap Right. Where I just that like brought re to me. recorded the sound Gave and an I idea. did the rap and I was like, Blair, here's the rap I did. Will you help me do this? And we literally like, he was like, sure. He came over and he, we found the right beat that you hear in yeah, that. we produced the music for you. In so. like a few hours, like less than a few hours. It took like a few run throughs and we had what you now see there. Just a basic beat <clears throat> to be able to let you rap over. And, yeah. and then we recorded his rap. Um, as if you were just, you came to the studio, you yeah. know, my recording studio for audio and, and we recorded you on both characters. We put it together so that the audio track was separate yeah. and then it came to recording the video, Yeah. right? The actual music video for that track. And if you notice when I'm holding the mic, this was Blair's idea. I'm holding the mic. So my hands in front of my mouth. So you couldn't tell I was lip syncing as much as much. But you know, if you're really watching, yeah. definitely definitely room for improvement and yeah. these are the the attention to details that we talk about a lot yeah. in green screen magic yeah. because the magic lies in the details um so you know from for myself just because this is my profession you know i it really i could really see that and it stands out yeah you know that room for potential so Brad, you could have really done a little more work to just Thanks, like sync up. Thanks, man. <laughs> well, I think like definitely what I what I see here is like my color blending right. was not there. Like the you lighting look like doesn't. You're sunburned. Like yeah, a yeah. Well, well, what do you think Rick does? He sits on a beach in Mexico and drinks margaritas all day, every day. So yeah. he is sunburned. Yeah, <laughs> little things like that. Because even now, yeah. when you look, if you're watching this and not listening, you can see like our skin tone here us live now and and the colors up top and and it, it kind of looks it's a little distracting yeah right and um so that's just you know a few yeah. more things just get into your color hues yeah. and stuff like that find does this look realistic to me and then the stage behind there i built that so yeah, i got the actual here. like staging background from adobe stock photo i just I yeah, looked for like some, stage or whatever. I found some speakers. Yeah, those were PNG files that I that I got that I just literally stock footage Photoshop those in. Same as the slide projector there. I just popped that in myself. Yeah. The two lights up in the top corner I added myself. And there's a shot here like of, of me in the background DJing just yeah. to bring some realism. So we just so these are all separate layers. You know, we, we shot Brad individually. Um Right, so you rapping to your part, then we he dressed up as Slick Rick, and we recorded that. Then we did a shot of me just kind of in the background by itself, and you learned to kind of play with perspective to make that look right. Yeah, in the background, 
just relationship to the size of me, to the size of your speakers yeah. that you wanted. And and then uh, Nate at the beginning, he's a buddy of ours. He wanted to get into some video stuff and he wanted to come hang out with yeah. us for the night that we were shooting this in the studio. So we gave him a role. And yeah, uh, we actually had a, a, if you play the beginning again, we had a mattress off to the side where he di he dove off the stage and he actually landed on a mattress just off. Yeah, here, cue it. E-Course Rap Battle! So he literally like went flying off stage into a mattress. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like, you know, we were filming this on a pretty small green screen. You know, we just had me walk in from the one side and then the slick Rick went from the other side. Like it was pretty small space that we recorded this. If we looked at the green screen footage, our green screen, if you look at where my mouse is for Slick Rick, probably would have ended right here. Yeah. So my camera could have him properly walk off. So therefore the green screen came off camera to properly do that. And same yeah. with you, Brad, you know, here was probably the edge looking at way. And then, yeah, where your sight lines are, because when you're watching it, like, hey, wait a minute, it actually looks pretty good the way we sight lined it. So you, each other we're looking at each other when you're doing your disses so yeah. yeah good job man i i had so much fun doing that and i think it might end up being something that uh that we may end up redoing in the near future for mm. promotional pieces because um next week we've got some special guests we have uh aaron athene and she has a web development and app development company called purpose five and she has a business partner, Jessica Jobs, and what they're doing is really cool. We actually just signed up for their eight-week course, um, and basically, mm -hmm. they're helping consistently again and again and again uh, help people's websites convert at 20 to 50 percent consistently all the time. And so we're signing up yeah, because we're something. doing our e-course adventures rebrand. And, um, and we're like, well, let's just, let's dig into this. So they're going to help us with our website, our new website that we're building with the new brand and our new opt-ins that we're going to be doing. And I mean, we're going to be converting it over 20%. And so totally. next week they're going to be our guests. They're going to tell yep. us some about uh, some of the things that they're doing Can't to get these conversion rates and tell us some yeah, stories. It's going to be so good. Um, and they may have some spots if you want in and you're watching this right now, shoot us an email and we can introduce you to them because their next workshop, the one we're in starts tomorrow. And then they've got another group starting next Friday, I believe. So anyways, let us know. It's going to be a great conversation. Aaron is a beautiful human being who's had some great success in business. And um, she's a part of the mentorship program that I joined. I call it CEO school, but it's called the Viatech Accelerator Program. Um, it's going to be a great conversation. So we're looking forward to that. That'll cool. be next yeah, Tuesday. Next Tuesday. You'll get an email if you're on our email and list. And subscribe below if you're watching this live on our channel so you, you'll also hear about that coming up next. And, and if you're not in it, check out the great ecourseadventure.com and start our free trial and begin climbing the Mountain to Launch Summit where we'll help you create the greatest e-course you can possibly imagine. Awesome. So thanks for joining us, everybody. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Tad, so much. Can't wait to chat with you again. Until next time. Sayonara.